A reading from Psalm 96. These are God's words. Sing to Yahweh a new song. Sing to Yahweh all the earth. Sing to Yahweh, bless his name. Proclaim good news of his salvation from day to day. Recount his glory among the nations, his wondrous deeds among all the peoples. For great is Yahweh and greatly to be praised. He is more fearsome than all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but Yahweh made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to Yahweh, families of the peoples. Ascribe to Yahweh glory and strength. Ascribe to Yahweh the glory of his name. Lift up an offering and come into his courts. Worship Yahweh in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, Yahweh reigns. Indeed, the world is established. It will not be shaken. He will render justice to the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar as well as its fullness. Let the field exult and all that is in it. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy before Yahweh. For he is coming. For he is coming to judge the earth He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in faithfulness. These are God's words. You can take your seats. As we have just read, we can see that this psalm is a sustained call to worship. From the beginning to the end, we are told that it is right always and everywhere to give him thanks and praise. Many psalms begin with some kind of musical instruction or give a line of context, but this psalm does not. But the entirety of this song is quoted in 1 Chronicles 16, when David brings the Ark of the Covenant to the newly erected tabernacle after conquering the Philistines. And David says there that this psalm was to be sung with many instruments and with great celebration. We know from the content of this psalm, that the people of God, or we could say the church, were meant to sing this song to those outside of the church in order to beckon them in, to call them to join in with our praises, to come into his courts and lift up an offering. So you've got the the passage there in your fold out. So let's look at verse 3. It says to the church, Recount his glory among the nations. His wondrous deeds among all the peoples. And in verse 10, it also says to the church, Say among the nations, Yahweh reigns. Indeed, the world is established. It will not be shaken. He will render justice to the peoples with equity. So this psalm is a kind of gospel call that was, sent, that was to be sent out by Israel even before the Messiah had come. In every age, the whole earth owes praise and thanksgiving to the one who made them. And since the Gentile nations in every age are full of idolatry, worshipping the creature rather than the creator, they need to be told this. They need to have this call. Look at this call in verse 4 through 6. For great is Yahweh and greatly to be praised. He is more fearsome than all the gods. For the gods of the peoples are idols, but Yahweh made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Splendor and beauty are in his sanctuary. 
when a sinful man ditches the pathetic and powerless idols that he makes, seeing them for what they are, he joins in with the praises of the sea and its fish, the fields and its livestock, and the trees of the forest, who always knew the things that he had just come to know. The seas and fields and trees were never idolaters. And we, we see in verse 11 and 12 that they joyfully give praise where it is due. And we also sung this in our first song this morning in Joyful, Joyful. Idolatry is irrational, but to our shame, we were all once idolaters. And even now, we need to actively flee from idolatry. A mark of those who have been given a sound mind and have truly abandoned their idols is that they ascribe greatness where it is due. True splendor and beauty come from our creator. So when we see anything beautiful or anything praiseworthy in creation, we do not worship those things as though they are worthy of praise in and of themselves, but instead we ascribe greatness to the one who gave them their beauty. Look at how the psalmist does this in verses 7 through 9. Ascribe to Yahweh, O families of the earth, ascribe to Yahweh glory and strength. Ascribe to Yahweh the glory of his name. Lift up an offering and come into his courts. Worship Yahweh in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. We see in the psalm that connected to the idea of God being the creator of all things is the certainty that he will restore his creation when it is distorted by sin. Let's look at verse 10 and see how the psalmist makes this connection between creation and restoration. He calls us all, the church, to say among the nations, Yahweh reigns. Indeed, the world is established. It will not be shaken. So first he references what God did at the beginning, establishing his created order that will not be shaken. Then it says he will render justice to the peoples with equity. Just as, God created, uh, just as God's created order cannot be shaken, so will he render justice to the peoples with equity. We are to declare these two things as connected, uh, a pair of connected truths. Most Christians today do not make this connection like the psalmist does. Since God made this world to function a particular way at the beginning, he will bring about justice in the earth and with equity throughout history. Usually this topic is relegated to the discussion of eschatology, what God plans to do in the future. But the expectation that God will bring about justice should be connected to, our, to the doctrine of creation. If a person has his or her doctrine of creation right, they will know that God has been at work from the beginning until now, rendering justice in his time to the peoples with equity. God is not inactive in matters of justice until, until the point that he has finally had enough. Then he decides to do something about it at the end when he wraps all things up. Take a look at verse 13. God is at work in history, and it says, For he is coming to judge the earth, he will judge the world in righteousness, and the people in his faithfulness. Remember that David wrote this psalm after having a victory in history over the Philistines. David saw this victory as part of God's redemptive plan to judge the world in righteousness. 
And he rejoiced that God would be doing this in future, in the future. God is not random. He has a purpose for this earth, and it is a glorious thing worthy of worship. We have seen this, this fact that God establishes justice in the earth many times now throughout the Psalms. And it is a sad thing that this aspect or this theme of true worship has been almost entirely abandoned in the praises of the modern church. This is why psalm singing is a major part of our worship here at Redwood. We are commanded to sing psalms in the scripture, and we obey this command. And when we obey this command, sorry, we ascribe our praises to where God would direct them. He wants us to recognize what he is doing in history, and he wants us to love it, and he wants us to call him to do it more and more. So Mel, could you please come up? And we're going to sing the psalm now to the tune of This Is My Father's World. Oh, let the skies be glad. 